Before we get started in today's show, I want to tell you about Stamps.com. Longtime sponsor of the BS Report. It's quick. It's convenient. More importantly, it's really, really easy to use. You do not have to go to the post office anymore. You can just stay home. Make your own office, your personal post office. You can avoid lines. You can avoid just standing there as somebody mails some package, some 79-year-old lady. Who needs that? Make your own mailing and shipping from your house. Stamps.com. Put in the top right of the site, BS. You'll get a deal and a scale and a whole bunch of other things. It's a great product. Uh, You can buy and print official U.S. postage using your computer and printer. Stamps.com will give you a digital scale. It will automatically calculate the exact postage for any letter, any package. They'll even help you choose the best class of mail. Wow. Why go to the post office? Just give it to the postman. Stamps.com. Check it out. The BS Report is a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touches on mature subjects. The BS Report. The BS Report with Ben Simmons. We're about to tape a podcast celebrating Boogie Nights. It is impossible to do this without terrible language and inappropriate uh, subject matter. Inappropriate. It's impossible. And we're not going to bleep everything because you don't want to mangle the podcast. So here's my advice. Um... You could stop watching this video right now. You could stop listening to the podcast right now. Those are, if you don't want to hear bad words and and kind of inappropriate subject matter about the porn industry in the 70s and 80s and that kind of stuff, just stop. We're not going to take it personally. But if you keep listening, you can't get mad at us. I recommend you keep listening. Me too. It is PTA week on Grantland.com. Paul Thomas Anderson is PTA. Matt, what else is PTA? Parents Teacher Association? Yeah. Yeah. That's Joe House, my longtime friend. We went to college together. Boogie Nights came out, I think, uh, in the mid-90s, it 97. Did. We watched this movie a lot. I had an illegal cable box. You did. In my uh, apartment in Charlestown, Massachusetts, that I got from a guy named Big Al. My roommate Richard got it for me. Nice. And we got all the pay-per-view channels, and Boogie Nights was on all the time for like three straight months. And I didn't have a lot going on at that point. I think I had started my website. I was doing some bartending, but I I was basically home during the day. And we just watched a ton of Boogie Nights. And then it came on the HBO Cinemax circuit. It did. And then you got sucked in. Yeah, and then I, you would come to visit, and we'd always end up going out and whatever, and then at 2.30 in the morning, we'd put on Boogie Nights. We, we would do that. You know what's funny is, uh, in looking back and thinking about the attraction of the movie and why it was such an easy thing for us to both glom onto, think about what was going on, like how we, as young men, consumed... Uh, media? Media, yes. Mm. So, in, in that era... We both lived through the time when um, X-rated movies were in movie theaters. True. Movie Late theaters 70s, showed yeah. X-rated movies. Yep. And we also lived through the era when those movies became available on home video. Yep. Tape. And we lived through an era where the experience of, of X-rated movies was it like a, 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 a guy bonding thing. Yeah, a little I mean, bit. Well, no, not a little bit. We met each other on a, a dorm floor at the College of the Holy Cross where the, where the RA showed Sunday night X-rated films after Mass. Different times. <laughs> it was a different era, right? Different times. This, that happened. The guys on the floor <laughs> all came together Sunday night after Mass. This yeah. was, it had, that's, what the, that's what it was called. And sat in the RA's suite, yeah. and he put on the movies. And one time he put on a movie that... Uh, and somebody walked by who maybe was the wrong person to walk by, and that person was forced to move off campus, the RA. <laughs> yeah, that RA was not an RA for very long. No, and, uh, and the movie we last. were watching became the name of my newsletter that I did for the rest of the year. <laughs> That's true. Cross. You can, you're allowed to say it doesn't have a bad word in it. The Velvet Edge. It was the Velvet Edge. That, that became was... our newsletter, the Velvet Edge. <laughs> was... Yeah, porn's had a big impact. Uh, yeah, I think the concept of porn has changed, especially in, as the Internet has gone. Well, and now it's just categories and on demand, and it's a totally different life. This was back when it was just. I just wonder, like, if if uh, I'd be interested in talking to somebody like sort of a more recent generation who's never had any of that context, if they watch Boogie Nights, if it would 
they'd respond to it the way that we did. It, it's interesting. Plus, you had a bunch of the music that right. we grew up with from yes. the late 70s, early yes. 80s. It was also, it was one of the first five DVDs I ever bought. Oh. And it was a great DVD. It was oh. widescreen. And this was before they made the TVs widescreen. So it was like a square TV, but the widescreen. But All the it way sounded to the great. Edges. I had the surround sound. And uh, the director's it was just cut awesome. was, was sensational. That was the other thing with like, the PTA director's cut. He's just like, I think he might have been stoned. I would like to watch it now. He's I, just a rambling a lunatic, but he, he, so there's good. real insight in some of the stuff. It's true. We still to this day can't understand why a lot of the scenes that got cut got cut. Because I, I think the movie, I understand from reading the unbelievable oral history yesterday, right. what a battle it was to get the movie down from like three and a half hours down to the two and a half hours that they, the 155 minutes they finally ended up with. I know. The great thing about Boogie Nights, I think, is the characters. And I think that's why the movie endures. Like, you could come up with 90 different reasons. PTA's first real genius movie. Yeah. Um, just how rewatchable it is and how funny it is and... Uh, Steve Hyden actually made this point for us on Grantland. Like the, the secret with PTA that nobody ever talks about is his stuff sometimes is really, really funny. Funny, yeah. And this movie I think was his funniest movie, but um, but ultimately it's the characters. And to have a movie that has twenty five characters that I could rattle off any of those names to you, and you know who I was talking about, and then be able to start doing the lines, right? Which is hard to believe. That's we're, true. We're old that we can still do the lines from that movie. I think this movie had more lines than any movie in the last twenty years. Well, there, <laughs> and we're going to go over many of them right now. But yeah. let's watch. So this is a deleted scene. This movie was so good that um, this is from when I think the fourth, the fourth porn awards when Dirk just goes up and says thank you. But this is the deleted scene version of that that they cut for time. And I like this because you see all the different characters. Yes. There's Amber Waves. Right. She's a mother to all of us who need mothers. Your buddy Jack Horner. <laughs> the genuine Reed. surprise. Yeah. So earnest, Reed. I, I guess in a three-hour movie, maybe you got to make some choices. Right. But you can't have everything. So Buck's wearing Buck. like he's in another bad wardrobe phase. Never could figure out the wardrobe. Is that Buck. pirate? Is that a pirate one? And the one earring didn't really work for him. Yeah. And there's uh, the great. Yeah. R.I.P. By the way. Yeah, I know. The girl on the right. I feel like that that was the one casting misfire. That's interesting. Never totally liked her. She's not in our top twenty list. She didn't make it. Oh, interesting. She did not make it. Uh, now, this was a great casting decision, both of this. Both America's of them. favorite couple. Because Nina Hartley was truly just sensational. And in the oral the history, role. and in the oral history, uh, not shy about walking around the set naked, apparently. <laughs> There's the Colonel. Uh, you'll be hearing from the Colonel later. Yeah. And there's Kurt and the other guy. I forget what the other guy's name is. I don't remember either. Love both of them. So then Dirk goes up. Good music, by the way. This is the, the other, you know, part of this experience. Oh, roller girl. Wow. Talking about, talking about good casting. Thank you. I think they should have left that scene in. <laughs> it hit every character. It, it was like it an amalgam of everything you liked about each one. All right. The finish was right. So we're going to go count through the top 20. Let's. I did the same thing I do with Jalen, where I do the rankings and then pretend we both came up with them, and then you're probably going to get mad a couple times. <laughs> Jalen hates this. Although, now Jalen has a new move where he does the rankings with me and then distances himself from the rankings. Oh, good. Yeah, so that's his new thing. All right. Uh, all right, so our top 20 characters. Yeah. Our. Notice how I said our? <laughs> it's fine. Number 20. Here's Buck. So, question about the donut shop. How much money could this donut shop have had that enabled Buck to launch a stereo business? It's a donut shop. How much money was in the bag? Not enough. 50, was, does, do donut shops have $50,000 and I missed it? I, I, I think there's, it's hard to believe. Look at there's hundreds Why in there. Why are there hundreds? Who pays for donuts with 100? I don't know, especially in the era this was set in. Yeah. It's a, it just stretches... The believability of hair. Did I hear someone so, say deal? And that leads to this. This weekend. This, this is probably weekend, my favorite buck scene in the movie. Cool super cool deals on they hit the rap, rap air. But the reason We're I rank Buck so low is Buck just makes me sad. Oh. Yeah. That's interesting. Why? 
just never worked out for him. He could never find the right wardrobe. He ended up with a character I didn't really like. Well, he, he found love. I, I didn't, I don't know. I just was never a fan. Would you rank them higher? No. Okay. <laughs> Why are you arguing with me? I didn't argue. I just didn't feel like he was that sad. Buck was the only one, like, we never really saw him in a scene. The, the criticism of Buck, if I have to criticize... Please do. He's kind of a caricature, right? That's, it's, not, it's not really a, a character that you can kind of invest in. And what's weird is I love Don Cheadle. He's, uh, and I actually thought he did as well love. as he could have done with that part. Sure. And back then, the black porn actors, like, there were no black porn actor stars. They were right. just kind of in the background, and nobody knew who they were at any yeah. point. So I think yeah. that was the point. Uh-huh. But unfortunately, that hurt Buck's ranking. Let's go to number 19. You're going to like this one. He's only in like two or three scenes, but Johnny Doe. Yeah, Johnny Doe. The guy who's kind of on Dirk's corner when Dirk's starting to fall into his cocaine binge. Hi, I'm Johnny Doe. Terrible actor. You're Dirk Diggler. This is just bad acting. Like he just learned English for the first time. Sorry. Johnny, can you speak? Um, here's why I love him though. Can we can we go back and freeze on Johnny Bana- on Johnny Doe? He looks you like Johnny, call him Johnny Banana. He looks like Johnny yeah! Bananas. Yeah, Johnny Bananas. That's Johnny it. Bananas was in Boogie Nights. That's Johnny Bananas. That's Johnny Bananas. Johnny. That looks like him. If you put him on CT's back, we'd have a challenge episode. <laughs> I like Johnny Doe, and then he comes in a little later. He, he cracks the top twenty. He's ahead of Don Cheadle. He's ahead of Don Cheadle. And he, Johnny he, Bananas. Unfortunately, he took the Jack Horner uh, productions into kind of a dark place. Well. A little bit of a little misogynist era of porn. Kind of the nature of the business, I think. All right. Number 18, the OD guy. Only because this leads to one of the Colonel's best scenes. Let's watch this one. I think he's sick. Oh, what the fuck is this? I didn't do anything. Is he breathing? I don't know. I think maybe she did too much coke. Oh, do you think so, doctor? No, let's go. All right, so. Oh, you think so, doctor? We've gotten 18 years of counting a mileage out of? Yes. I think I've said it to you on 20 different podcasts. (laughs) You think so, doctor? You think so, doctor? And then, oh, and then this it, is this the yes. Yes. God. <laughs> the fuck is this? This is twice in two days and the chick is so deep on me. What do you think this means? That maybe you ought to think about getting some new shit? What do you think? Yes, sir. Mm, the colonel. Ah. Great colonel. Great colonel. Great colonel. Yeah. I, there was a brief time where you thought about asking to be called the colonel. I remember. I, you know, I think you wrote about it. There was a time. Maybe I wrote about it. Yeah, there was some there sort was, of colonel phase for you. There was. Well... The OD guy, who's never been seen again. Never been seen again. Rated ahead of Don Cheadle in our <laughs> rankings. Congratulations That's to him. Your, it's your rankings. I would have Buck ahead of him. You'd have him ahead of the... Oh, this is the second time the chick's OD'd on me! It's one scene. Yeah. Buck's hi-fi scene is better than that scene. The Colonel makes that scene. All right, well, speaking of the Colonel, number 17. Is this Colonel. Not the Colonel. Colonel's cellmate, whose face we never see. He's yeah. number 17 on my countdown. He made it? Yeah, he made it. Why did the cellmate make it? Because the Colonel had to pay for his sentence. He the did. Colonel was, was a child molester. Everybody paid for their sentence. And as much as I love the Colonel, at the same time, he, he was a child molester a and deserved to spend the rest of his life being beaten up by the Colonel's cellmate. He's a pedophile. So I had him number 17. Yeah. There's a lot of just rewards in this movie. Yes. Number 16. Speaking of just rewards... No, not Roller Girl. Better not be. She, no. I know she's not sick. Roller Girl's random classmate. <laughs> oh, no. no. We, we, oh, no. <laughs> now, this is an acting tour de force. It's amazing that this guy didn't end up in more things. It feels like he could have got a 10-year career out of just this scene. Because <laughs> he, he just nails it. I mean, he, What do you think was the audition process? Like, they had dozens of actors come in. No, I didn't really like what we did with the lollipop there. <laughs> Uh, and that guy just came in and nailed it. Yeah, he's he went got home. He's talked to his agent. So yeah, I did my my uh, my audition. Was well, I nailed? They it. needed a guy with with the perfect tongue cheek structure, like his face structure is perfect right. to, to mimic the blowjob. Congrats well, to that guy. Congrats to him. And later on, he um, he pays a price. Yes, he does. They run into him as they're filming uh, a Gonzo video in the limo. Run into that guy, and he ends up getting curb stopped by by Roller Girl. By her roller skates. By her roller skates. Yeah. Because so, again, this movie serves up just just desserts in a lot of different places. There's a real morality in the Boogie Nights universe. It really is. Yeah. Well, number fifteen is Amber Waits. Good night, Amber. She's the best. She's a wonderful mother, you know. She's a mother to all those who need love. She's a wonderful mother. 
One of the great parts of the movie. He's trying to tell Derek Amber's a wonderful mother. She hasn't seen her son in like three years, and she's a porn actress. She's a wonderful mother, though. She 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 lost custody. She literally lost custody. It's impossible for a mother to lose it, custody it of their is. child. And yet, she's a wonderful mother. She, she's a mother to all those who need love. She is a mother to all. It's interesting. Fifteen, huh? Is it because she's so sad? I don't like people who are bad mothers. She's more of a tragic. So here, here's than the anything. case against Amber Waves. Terrible documentarian. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Terrible mother. Awful mom. Introduced Dirk to cocaine. Okay, sure. If, not, if Dirk never tries cocaine, it's smooth sailing for him into the, through the 80s. <laughs> we he has like a Peter North type career for 20 years. And the movie would have never gone in that dark place because yeah. it had just two hours of, of the, the party. The moment she breaks out the cocaine, it's over. The party's over. Bad stuff starts happening. The party's Little Bill over. shoots himself. Damn it, Amber. So that's why she's this low. In fact, I wish we could rank her lower at this point. Um, let's look at some really, of her documentary work. Really documentary, documentary work. For Dirk Diggler, the future is something to look forward to, not to fear. He is a creative man of many interests. Yes. Film, poetry, karate, music, oh. and dance. He is a man of passion and mystery. He is. He is a man of lust. He is all those things. It's pretty good, Amber. I mean, pretty well written. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't lie. It's not, not, not bad. I don't remember him as a man of dance. I remember him as a man of all those other pursuits. I just don't remember dance. I don't really remember him having any interest other than a tacit interest in karate. (laughs) Karate? Karate. But we never saw him like... He's like, guys, can we wrap up this porn shoot early? I got I have a karate class at 2 o'clock. Well, he did. I don't know that he needed class. He, he, he had a lot of practice in front of the mirror, and that's really where we saw him at his best with the karate. Sure. So the Amber Waves documentary um, was basically a flat ripoff from a John Holmes documentary called Exhausted. Exhausted, yeah. Yeah, which is, I think, online. I think it's on YouTube. I Yes. And, like, he takes shot for shot and... I would say 75% he did intentionally. 25% of me wonders if it was intentional and he just decided to rip off John Holmes exhausted and never knew the internet was coming. Oh, PTA? Yeah. No, no, I, I think, because he, he did the Dirk Diggler story when he was in high school. He was 17. Right. So. It could be an homage to exhausted, but. Sure. Ripping off scenes is like a little more, can you rip off a porn documentary? I guess you can't. And it was a mockumentary. It wasn't a documentary. The John Holmes thing wasn't a full-on documentary. It was more, you know. Well, how funny would it have been? It was dramatic. How funny would it have been if the director of Exhausted sued PTA (laughs) for for creative something? Infringent? Yeah. Type of in some form. You stole scenes point blank from Exhausted. (laughs) I should have won an Oscar. I'm glad it didn't happen. Well. I'm just disappointed he never actually did the entire 30-minute Amber Waves documentary. There's that still time. That should have been a deleted scene. There's he has a time. lot of the footage. Sure, there's still time. I live in this world, Amber. Violence plagues us. We're, we're going to get to that later. Uh, number 14. Oh. You want there he is in the, bo- in the top right. He's number 15. Firecracker guy. Fire, yeah. We never knew what his so, name is. Look, oh, that firecracker didn't work. A, huh? Did he have a name that's in a, this? I feel like... Uh, was his name Cosmo? I think it was yes, Cosmo. Yes, it was. That's right. Oh. So in the oral history, apparently PTA just told those guys to throw, the, throw that guy to throw firecrackers. Yeah. And the actors started, it became like they were in a war and... and Wahlberg just zoned out at one point, it just like just from fatigue, and that was the famous shot of him just standing there with that deer in the headlights look. It was an, it's an amazing shot. The thing that I love from the oral history, they put in Molina's ears, um, uh, you know, some form of earplug that siphoned off the oh, so he wouldn't the, be affected. The loud bangs, yeah, because these guys can't help but react, right? Right, they're physically reacting because it's popping that close to them. No reaction out of out of Molina. It's brilliant. Somebody, I think Hayden in his piece said he thought this was the single best extended scene in the movie. And I wanted that not to be true because it's not my favorite scene yeah, in the movie, yeah. but it's probably the best scene in the movie. It's true. It's the most creative. And because it's, it, it represents, you know, it's the transition, right? It's the transition for the characters, for the narrative. It, 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 it is a, 
it's the crux moment. And but also it has songs. these little wrinkles, like the eight, the cassette like flips over. Yeah. There's like three seconds of delay, and I know. Isn't a freaking Jesse girl of all, Jesse's girl of it's, all songs? It's just tr- it's tremendous for for that for that uh, reason. Well, Cosmo, the fire the firecracker guy, congratulations! Uh, ahead of Buck, ahead of Amber Waves, and actually, um, I don't agree with him being ahead of either of those two. I'm just on the record. Well, that's why I didn't involve you with the rankings. I understand. And actually, uh, the drug dealer is number 13. I think this is the underrated part of the scene. The guy, he's out there with no shoes on in a bathrobe. It's a kimono. It's not even a kimono. <laughs> and he's shooting that gun like he's like freaking... I don't even know what. Like he's in a western. It looks like Scarface a little bit. It really me. does. I like it. Drives away and then ah, the reaction's mother. great. He turns around. He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go back to the house. All the dead people are there." So, uh, hey, the newspaper, like, just totally nonplussed by the fact that everyone died in his house and he was just shooting at a Corvette. Yes, Alfred Molina. Pretty good. I would say that was his best role, but I really enjoyed him in Species. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you don't hold it against me. I don't remember him in Species. He, he, um, I think he was the one that Natasha Hentridge ended up reproducing with. I remember she Natasha. Made little alien babies. I definitely them. remember Natasha. Yeah. Oh, here's another one. Number 12. Another surprise for you. No, it's not Dirk. Dirk's not number 12. No, he's definitely not number 12. And, oh, there's number 12. He's walking by. Wow. The dad got 12. Okay. Oh. Oh, Jesus, please. Okay, shave if you're going to do that. Scratch my face. Sorry. He looks clean-shaven to me. What was up with Dirk's dad? I think I've spent more time thinking about Dirk's dad than my own dad. What happened to this guy? I don't Why know. was he being run roughshod by, by this by crazy, insane woman? And, and First of all, he was shaved. I know. Look at Why didn't he care? Faces. Was it a stepdad? Was it a dad? I, it's, it's a great question. I f- he he acts like a stepdad, doesn't he? It feels like a he behaves st- more little like step-dad-ish. a stepdadish. Yeah, a little stepdadish. Yeah, and he treats Dirk in a, like like he he's not the natural father. Think about how you treat your boy. Yeah, maybe he's Dirk's stepdad. I'm gonna go with that. I have no idea. Does I'm that sure we could does that make his out. ranking higher or lower? <laughs> Shade before you do that. I, I like when he's at the table with Dirk. He's like, "So how's it going at the at the party place?" Again, the way you like the, it, the way a stepdad would ask. Um, the only thing that I, I object to, how can he possibly be ahead of Buck? This is unbelievable. These are my rankings. I get it. It's just stunning to me. He's my, I'm, I only rank the characters by how they achieved compared to the potential of the part. <laughs> the guy had 41 seconds in the whole movie. I think he nailed the 41 I seconds. I enjoyed those 41 seconds more than any Buck scene. Not me. I, High I, fidelity. High well, that five. That was good. That was good. All right. That was good. Well, I don't know what to They're your it. rankings. Number eleven. Now, see, now so we're getting to the. Now, now we're getting to the good yeah. ones. Here's Maurice. No argument with Maurice. And this is uh, his best scene. So you know, I want something I can send home. You know, something I can send to my. The bro. pot belly crammed into the pants is fantastic. The tan is fantastic. All the beautiful woman I've been with. So how does she keep a straight face? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, what am I asking? She's not. She's laughing. Choking that food down to keep from laughing. It's so good. Honey Amber, baby, please talk to Jack. Honey Amber, baby, please. Honey Amber, baby, please talk to Jack. Talk to Jack. I love him. And I I still mourn how to make it in America because he was great in that show. Terrific. Yeah, terrific. I don't know if we use Luis Guzman correctly. He he has uh, played a meaningful part in several, you know, important movies. He's kind of the Brandon Bass of Hollywood. I feel like Brandon Bass could have had a whole different... Wow. Hollywood, I, Brandon Bass could have had a whole different NBA career slash arc, everything, if he had just been the role player on great teams. When you're a role player, you got to also be on the right teams. He's been on a couple good teams. but He's been I, on good, good teams. A couple. Yeah. I feel like his career could have been better. I don't know. I love him in everything he's I in. I love him in everything, too. I'm, I'm, to I'm blaming his agent. I'm not what's blaming he, what's him. What's he been bad in, you know? Eh. Okay. What's his defining role? It was probably Maurice. He was amazing in Carlitos West. His 20 years could have been better. I stand by it. Uh, all right, now we're, before we get to the top ten, I wanted to mention a couple people that didn't make the cut. Okay. Dirk's mom. That's amazing to me. She was such a critical and crucial character. She sets the stage for what Dirk 
becomes. He's running away from her. He he self-defines notwithstanding which which he which he did to him. I agree with that. And she was a phenomenal actress in it too. Yes. I just don't like the character. She makes me unhappy. Why does she have to be so mean to Dirk? She's so mean to him. I, what parent could be that mean to their own child? Why does she hate him so, so much? So I the, can't put her in my top 20. The criteria for these rankings are characters based on your... your my your, own enjoyment of them. Your, your ranking of how you liked them. Yes, that's exactly what it is. You finally figured it out. <laughs> we're, all, we're only 10 in. I didn't enjoy Dirk's mom. She was awesome, though. She was awesome. I respected the performance. Yes. But it, it, that scene you, makes me unhappy. You physically... You you just you don't like her. That scene makes me unhappy. It, like it, Dirk, there's more Dirk, than one scene. Dirk gets so upset he's actually spitting. Like you see, spit. It's so mean to me. Like spit flying everywhere. It's just awful. I don't like seeing parents be mean to their kids. Okay. Oh, a couple more people. Uh, the OD girl didn't make it. <laughs> R.I.P. Too gruesome. R.I.P. Uh, I think I just forgot to put Becky Barnett in. She should have made it. Becky should have made it. Becky should have made it. If uh... can I clean my vagina? <laughs> You want it to be clean, don't you? <laughs> that's that's an important line in this movie. It's an movie. important line, and it should have been in, and it's a, it's an oversight. It's an oversight. It's a mistake by me. If Johnny Wad's in, Becky Barnett's got to be in. Little Bill's wife didn't make it. Nina Hartley? Nina Hartley didn't make what it. What are you talking about? Nina Hartley didn't make it. Crucial moments in this movie. She she forced Little Bill to commit a murder-suicide murder <laughs> at the 1980 New Year's she party. She just wanted him to be a man. She just wanted him to be... He married a porn actress. It wasn't his fault. He fell in love with the wrong woman. <laughs> I, it is his fault. He fell in love with the wrong woman. His fault is it. Bill, please, you're embarrassing me. I liked in the oral history she said they weren't actually having sex in the bed. That wasn't true. It was... It, his penis was between her thighs. It wasn't. That was. Oh, that's, a, that's an old my trick. Bad. Yeah, an old trick. Real trick. My he, bad. He wasn't taped. He wasn't taped. He didn't have himself taped to himself. I, yeah, that Jesus. was that was another good part. It did make me try and picture what it looks like with the thighs. I I couldn't figure it out. I don't know, but she made it seem like it was old hat. <laughs> kind of felt like she was a porn actress. <laughs> I, th I think more than one of those things are old hat with Nina. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry. She didn't make the cut either. Uh, nobody in the donut shop made it other than Buck. <laughs> I kind of like the guy, the the uh, the old like the Texas guy, or whatever, who's like kind of like got the gun. He's yeah. I enjoyed him a little bit, but sure. no, no. Uh, Veronica Hart as the judge yeah. didn't make it. That's okay. Doesn't really have any lines. No, that's fine. I, as much as I wanted to support the Veronica Hart franchise, it was a really cute cameo. Anything. She's cute known cameo. for other things. Uh, and then Jerome, Becky's husband. That's okay. He didn't. He didn't make it because there's a deleted scene where he beats the hell out of Becky, oh, yeah, and then Dirk true. has to go and fix her. And I, that's right. We don't like that. I don't at all. condone domestic not, violence. Not even a little bit. Support. So not even a little um, bit. So I guess the the big oversights were Becky and Little Bill's wife. Yeah, Little Bill's wife has got to be in. If you if you if you put uh, the Colonel's cellmate in, then then Becky should probably be in. Nina Hartley should probably be in. Number ten. This is getting really good now. Oh yeah. Yes. So now we're in, now we're in the wheelhouse. So what is is at least for me was a stunning experience was taking this Thomas Jane and thinking about hold on hold that thought. Michelle, I'll introduce you. Sure, introduce you to my lap. I'll introduce you to my lap. So taking the Thomas Jane from here and then putting him where? In Hung. But you're the only person who liked Hung. <laughs> Look, they canceled Hung because you were the only one watching it. There's a narrative arc there. There's an arc from this moment. Put her in my lap to him as a gigolo. Look, this is the thing. Thomas Jane was meant to play a certain character. It's true. And there's a real symbiosis between what he's doing here and, and the Hung character. And I'll stop there. Thomas Jane had a run in the late 90s when it seemed like he was going to become a major, major guy. A little like Chris Pratt right now. Oh, okay. Boogie Nights parlays that into 61. Mm -hmm. He was excellent as as uh, as Mickey Mantle. Yeah. He was great as Mickey Mantle. Yeah. That's a really good movie. Yep. Yeah. And then they did Deep Blue Sea, which didn't do well. I don't remember Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea is a really good shark movie, and he's okay. great in it. All right. And uh, coming out of the movie, I was like, that guy's going to make it. Hmm. Didn't make it. Ended up being unhung, and you were the only person like. There was three seasons of it. But I like Todd Parker. Not really that great of a part. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, a great part, but like, if you, if I was like, describe Todd Parker for me, 
He's he he created all the parts of Todd Parker. He himself calls himself the Reaper in the uh, in the oral history, and that that like yeah, that's who he is. He 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 arrives and everything. He's the goes. guy who used to sell a little bit of pot, and it all goes in bad. trouble. He borrows your car and crashes it. Yeah, yeah, and but then it's it, good. It's it's and also gets real sinister real fast. It's all attitude with that part, yeah. which I liked. Me Some too. of the parts are really well written. That one is just like, yeah, put a jacket on and try to seem cooler than you are. What's funny is it feels like a little dazed and confused, that character. Totally. I really feel like, you know, he, that, there should have been that character in Dazed and Confused, too. So our number nine is Dirk Diggler, the star of the movie. I, I, I'm going to totally justify it over the next eight picks. I, I, I vigorously. Here's his work as they're filming Spanish Pantalonis. Is the movement on the water back going to be a problem? No, the water bed's fine. I dig it. It's great. Okay, can we do this? This is great. All right, everybody. Here we go. This is going to be great. Jack. Yeah. Do you want me to use the Spanish accent? Yes, that'd be great. Because you're filming Spanish Pantalones. Yeah. Directed by Jack Horner. (laughs) What a great idea. Let's watch more Dirk. Okay. Since he's the star of the movie. You have him nine. The star of the movie. yeah. Yeah. I guess the only thing I can say... Cause I'll promise to keep rocking and rolling and making better films. Yeah. You know, to make these movies. I think he followed through. You know, they're considered filthy or something by some people. But I don't think that's true. These, these movies, movies can get better, Jack. They can be better. They can help. They really can. Roll her eyes to stand because she's wearing roller skates. They can always skates. do better. I'm going to keep trying if you guys keep trying. They're porn Let's actors. Keep rocking and rolling, man. Keep rocking and rolling, man. I'm gonna keep trying. If you guys can keep trying, uh, we're all porn actors. Look at that karate. This is great. Oh, the bow. No, bow to the left side. There it is. The right side. I guess all the sides. Yeah, there's. There could it be nine? Because we have eight better characters. We're about to get to. Um, but we should show some of his work in Brock Lander's Angels Live in My Town. Let's see that. Sure. Yes. One of my biggest regrets in life is that we never dressed up as these guys for Halloween. I don't know how it didn't happen. There's still time. I think you would have been a better read just because I think oh. you would have carried off the, the sleeveless thing better. The taller guy, too. Yeah. For sure. This is... The music's great, too. I like they put the credits over their face, which is very a very 70s move. Sure. All right, so... I love Dirk, but I just had eight characters I liked a little bit more. Okay. That's that's my only reason. I, I, it's not my list. Um, I wouldn't have them nine. Number eight, Little Bill and Kurt. And sure. this is their signature scene. Yeah, it's an important scene. Let's see it. Yeah. That's Little no. Bill's wife is having I mean, sex behind them on the driveway. Yeah, because I was hoping, you. you know, for the shoot tomorrow, we could send Rocky down and he could pick it up. Kurt. No, hey, gotcha. You gotta go somewhere. So, hey, what the fuck? It's only the photography of the film we're talking about. Are you giving me shit, Kurt? No, hey, no way, Little Bill. My fucking wife has an ass in her cock in the driveway, Kurt. All right? I'm sorry if my thoughts are not on the photography of the film we're shooting tomorrow. Okay? Okay, no big deal. All right? Sorry. All right? His wife has an ass in her cock in the driveway. <laughs> this is the best part. <laughs> this yeah. is why Kurt jumped Dirk to number seven. <laughs> Get ahead of Dirk. The, the, he wants to go watch. The pause, he goes through the driveway. How does that not beat Dirk? That beat anything Dirk did in the whole movie. <laughs> I disagree. Dirk sings, for Christ's sakes. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a I'm riding with Kurt Littlejohn. All right. That's, that's his name. That's your list. We found out from the oral history, they did multiple takes of that scene, and he accidentally said the one word before the other word. Three they times made him do it row. again. Yeah. Then he did it a set, and then yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson thought it was funny to use that scene. And it was a smart choice. I it fully was. support it. He really does seem flustered. Um, thing I like... Of- he, why wouldn't he be <laughs> flustered? His wife had an ass in her cock in the driveway. <laughs> uh, Kurt Ricky J. Ricky Jay, the magician, and, and, a, and a, I saw him on on Broadway. Like yeah. it's a the the two. It's like he's it's two different people all together. I, I when really? I when I watched him do his performance uh, in New York, and this was probably fifteen years ago. It was after Boogie Nights, so my sort of orientation, understanding, and everything 
was all tied towards <laughs> this guy, this character, right? He's going to come out and play this character. He's no. going to come out and edit a moron. Yeah. He is an astounding magician. It was an uh, astonishing show. What wow. an accomplished uh, magician he is. I couldn't have enjoyed it more. Well, speaking of things you couldn't have enjoyed more, here's number six. <laughs> What's going on here? Oh. Um, oh, yeah. Bad okay? moment with the test. Well, here's why we played this clip, because she was roller skating in her high school class, which I really enjoyed. I like that roller girl was always in character. It was part of the era. She, she was, was a method actress. She was <laughs> the tragedy of the roller girl is there's no scene that can run with her. That's okay. That's true. I guess there's like a dance scene we could have run, but they that would have blocked the music. That was pretty much the scene. So, roller girl... She was so so good in that movie, and all of us from our generation, we're all in our 20s. Yeah. We were all head over heels in love with Heather Graham. For sure. And it actually led to her getting the Austin Powers movie. Oh, okay. Remember, there was so much Heather Graham momentum coming out of Boogie Nights that she became the lead of the Austin Powers movie, That's... even though she hadn't really led anything. Well, she... And the Austin Powers movie was a big movie. When was Swingers preceded this? Swingers preceded that. Okay, that's why. That's why. But the, the innocence in this movie is, is what is so captivating about her. It's what uh, makes it, you know, well, she had, incredible. So she had Six Degrees of Separation, mm-hmm. which was when, when I developed a crush on her. Yeah. Swingers, everybody developed a crush on her. Right. And then Roller Girl was like... <sighs> Through the roof. All bets are off. Through the roof. If you did the game where it's like, you give your list of five, I can hook up with one, I can cheat on you with one person. Heather Graham's on 100% of the list in 1997. She was on my list. All of us were madly in love with her. For sure. So why didn't she make it? I mean, she made it, but she didn't make it. Maybe she couldn't act. I... Who did she end up with? She had a boyfriend. What's his Oh, she dated Ed Burns for a while. No, no, no. The... In real life you're talking about? Yeah, in real life. Ed Burns. No. And then he did, then he went to Christy, she went to Christy Turlington. She... She dated. God, I can picture. So you're going to use right the boyfriend now. excuse am, for a career? I am because it's uh, what's his face, the guy who's notorious for dating young starlets. Oh, uh, yeah, Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> yes, but oh, I don't think right. Jimmy dated. Heather. So you think it was bad? So bad dating habits. A bad one bad relationship. That's I think it changed her career. I don't understand. We're going to look this up, and I'm going to remember the guy's name. And you're going to say, we're going to look at the time that she was associated with this guy. And after that, nothing. Nothing worthwhile. she should have been in a bunch of rom-coms. That would have been great. Would have been great. This was the time. This was was not a rom-com. Right after. (laughs) There was a very little romance and and a lot of dark comedy, but not, you know, a lot of feel-good comedy. My theory for why she couldn't be in a rom-com, I think all women are threatened by Heather Graham. There's certain actresses... And we have this, too, with yeah, actors. Sure. There's certain actors that I'm just threatened by. <laughs> Guy like, like Hugh Jackman? I'm trying to think. I'm threatened by Omar Epps. Omar Epps? Yeah, Omar Epps. What's I don't he like, been in? I don't like the way my wife watches Love and Basketball, like a little too that's quietly a, that's and That's 20 years old now. I don't care. <laughs> I was thinking of somebody from her era. Okay. No, just handsome guys. Like Brad Pitt. You wouldn't want to sure. leave your wife. You wouldn't be like, hey, Brad Pitt, will you drive my drunk wife home? No. Well, I, I don't I, want Brad Pitt driving. I'd be phone. fine with Brad Pitt because he's part of that little guy. Um, oh, is thing. he tiny? Yeah, he's he's not he's he's, he's bigger than David so Spade, be, but he's not you know. So you'd be more afraid of like a Costner. I'm afraid of a of a of a big guy. Yeah, oh, big guy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's those are the ones I don't like. Like Yao Ming. <laughs> yeah, if Yao Ming, I, yes, I wouldn't let my wife ride the car with Yao Ming. That's right. That's right. But I think the reason she didn't get rom coms is I think the studios probably did focus groups and they're like. Yeah, women are threatened by Heather Graham. She's too good looking. Uh, so it, we're going to cast Drew Barrymore again. It's a tough one. Uh, let's go to the top five. Let's. The top five is amazing. Yeah. It's a murderer's row. Yep. You're not going to feel bad that I cut Turk out. Number five, Floyd. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not a complicated man. I like cinema. In particular, I like to see people fucking on film. But I don't want to win an Oscar and I don't want to reinvent a wheel. I like simple places like butter in my ass. Lollipops in my mouth. That's just me. That's just something just that something I enjoy. Like. Call just me crazy. Something. Call me a pervert. But I'm going to call you a pervert. That I want to do in this life, and that is, I want to make a dollar and a cent in this business. He wants to make a dollar and a cent in this business. It's a tremendous line. 
He likes butter in his ass and lollipops in his mouth. But it's not in his butter in the ass. It's like I feel like he got that. I don't. Th- I don't think that line was written. <laughs> I think there was more to the line, and he screwed it up, and PTA just left it in. But he's Philip Philip uh, Baker Hall's unbelievable. He's, he was one of those guys, but yeah. now I feel like he's Philip Baker Hall. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like that. I think he's Philip Baker Hall. He is. Yeah, and he's great in this. And this was, you know, this was actually well. He's so important in all the PTA movies. Yes. And his Seinfeld run is uh, amazing. And the curb. The curb run, yes. Yeah, we did a pod with, um, or I did a pod with Larry David, and you were here, and we were walking him out, and he was talking about how much he loved working with uh, Philip Baker Hall and how he was the one person who made him laugh the hardest of anyone they've ever worked with, which I was surprised yeah, by. Yeah, crazy. But um, he's he's awesome in this. And this was the pivotal scene because it was basically like, Jack, your generation's over. Nobody's going to be filming porn movies anymore. It's all going to be about just pumping out as many as you possibly can for as cheap as you possibly can. you got to get used to this era. For these home home videos. Jack's like, oh, I'm a movie maker. But what's, what's funny, like, in the oral history we did, like, PTA, like, really cared about this theme. This was, like, a very important theme to him, the break between the old way of doing porn and the new way of doing porn. Well, and, and it provides, like we talked about at the beginning of this, the context. We lived through this. Yes. And it, it was it was behavioral, right? The idea of people going to a movie theater to watch an X-rated movie. How crazy. Should we tell the story about when we went to the Adonis Theater? Did you come to that? I didn't come to that. You weren't there for that? I was. Somehow I missed out on we that. We did it. They had a X-rated movie theater in Worcester. They the did. Adonis Theater. Right. And we did, freshman year, did a field trip to the Adonis Theater. I, I can't believe you missed that. I and we sat there. And we made jokes the whole movie. We thought it was the funniest thing. And then some guy sat in our row, like about five seats down, and pulled his pants down. And we we went out of there. I was like Usain Bolt. I think I was in the end. I was like, his his belt was unbuckling, and I was running 40 miles an hour. So it seemed like really fun, a really fun idea until that happened. A fun and funny idea. But yeah. this is the thing, right? That That's what was going down. That's what was going down. What an era. Yeah. <laughs> error. What, what an error. Uh, number four. Oh, R.I.P. Scotty J. Yeah, I like you, Scotty. I, I kiss you. Scotty, Please, I don't... Please, can I kiss you on the mouth? No! Please let me. No. Scotty. I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to grab you like that or scare you or anything. Do you want to kiss me or... No, Scotty? I actually don't. No? Thank you. What's no, the matter with I you? I forget it. I'm really drunk. Oh, fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. He's a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. So, when they did this movie, I knew Philip Seymour Hoffman as the kid from Sen and a Woman who dimed out Chris O'Donnell's character. Wow. I was like, oh, that guy from Sen of a Woman. He's good in Sen of a Woman. I watched Sen of a Woman like two months ago, and he's actually great in it, but you didn't realize it when you were watching like, he just seemed like kind of a dumbass, but he wasn't a dumbass. He no. was, that's how he decided to play the character. Then this happened, and as it turned out, they tried to dress him like how a 14-year-old would dress. I love that. Not to keep bringing up the oral history, but I, I was fascinated by that. Me too. And he was like, make the clothes tighter. They should look like they don't fit. Because it, it, again, the oral history, it does make sense, right? He's going through uh, this identity crisis. So he's he's trapped in, as an adolescent, and he he dresses like an adolescent, and he's not in touch with his sexuality, and it comes out in this awkward way. It's it's really complex for what all by, by design seems like kind of a throwaway character, right? Which is one of the I one one of the reasons my favorite movies is what is he in like seven scenes, right? Yeah. And I feel like Scotty J, like I know Scotty J more than somebody who like would lead a movie. He's four and he belongs there. Right. So this is the this is the famous Dirk versus versus Jack, which was really the Mark Wahlberg versus Burt Reynolds a yeah. way to kind of get out all the testosterone that was going on between them. Sure. Lost into this is, is Philip Seymour Hoffman's entire performance during this fight. So we're gonna roll that. So watch Philip Seymour Hoffman ask Scotty J during this. Scotty J's oh, getting nervous. I'm not going to shoot you in the state you're in. What do you mean state? State, state of California? I know where the fuck I am, Jesus Jack. Jesus Christ, you've been up for two days. No, I haven't been up for two days. Nevertheless, you look like you haven't been. So I am. Burt Reynolds, really getting mad here. Look good. 
You know what? You don't tell me anything, okay? Really? You're not the boss of me. Yes, I am. Oh, you the king, huh? Yes! Oh, oh, don't oh, fucking oh, touch me, man! No, no, no! You shut up, too! You're not the mother of me, and you're not my boss! You're not my mother! You're not my fucking mom! No, no, no! No, no, no! No, no! I'm ready to shoot the scene. I want to shoot the scene. I'm fine. I want you out of here. Look, it's over, okay? I'm done. Listen, I'm ready to shoot. I want you. Don't you fucking call me a kid. What? I'll fuck you. You want to see me kick some ass? I know fucking karate. You want to fuck? Oh, oh, oh. Get out of here. Come on. You are fire. You're fire. You fucking bastard. Get out of here. You know what? I'm the biggest star here, man. That's the way it is. I want to fuck. It's my big dick. So everybody get ready. Fuck. He makes some good points. He does. He's ready. You know it's what? his big. I don't need this shit. You don't fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck all of you. You're not my boss. You're not the king of me. I am the fucking king of dirt. You're nothing without me, Jack. You're fucking nothing. Fuck wow. this. Right. I don't need so, shit. I actually think that's the best acting Mark Wahlberg's ever done in his life. <laughs> I really do. And I like him as an actor. But he's amazing in that scene. And Burt Reynolds is great. And there's like this whole old school, new school generation that I always thought existed, but then when we read the oral history, it's like, oh yeah, so those guys didn't like each other. Well, they needed to have, you know, so that that natural tension, right? I mean, this yeah. was Mark's first lead role. Yeah, and he's, he's outside know, looking in the whole thing. Right, which is part of what in, makes him perfect for this and why he doesn't belong at wherever you have him in this crazy list. I had him fourth. Oh, my, oh Dirk. Dirk! You have him in like... Nine or whatever. And I'm at nine. It's a crazy All right, number. so you bump him past Kurt, Little John, and Little Bill. I so would. So should have been seven. Would you put him ahead of Roller Girl? Kind of, yes. Although we do love, we, Roller Girl is so important to our lives otherwise. Not okay, no, not ahead of Roller Girl. I'm not putting him ahead of Floyd either. Not ahead of Floyd. Thanks butter in my ass and lot pops in my mouth. That's yeah. just what he likes. Yeah, dollar and a cent in this business. So, yeah. All right. Maybe he should have been seven. Sorry. I made these <laughs> rankings in two minutes. Um, so that whole point, the point of that was watching Scotty's reaction. And he gives us a physical manifestation of, of the fear, the anxiety. The weirdoness. <laughs> Is weirdoness a word? For, in this, for this, yes. That's a works. scene where you could watch it eight times and just watch each actor and learn something different. Yeah. Yeah. That does sound like a dork. Uh, top three. Number three, let's hear it. Does this character have a name? His name is Brock Landers. His partner's name is Chest Rockwell. <laughs> Those are great names. <laughs> yeah. So make your point about how big of a star Burt Reynolds was for our generation. Yeah, so we, we experienced Burt Reynolds in the late 70s and early 80s in a whole slew of... of Action movies, the whole franchise. Uh, Smoking the Bandit. Smoking the Bandit. Longest Yard. Right. And. Bunch of weird rom coms. The first t- t- 10, 12, 15 times I watched this movie, the experience I had is that's Burt Reynolds. Right. This is Burt Reynolds. This is. It, it really enhanced my enjoyment of it because it was so radically different from anything that I experienced with Burt Reynolds running up to it. I'm trying to think what. This generation's version of that would be 20 years from now playing this role. I, I don't want to say Leo. No. But it's, it's it's somebody in that conversation. Yeah, who would it be? Would it be Brad Pitt? No, because I don't, I don't feel like this Brad Pitt means... The great thing about Burt Reynolds, and the reason I think he was the biggest star of that decade other than Clint Eastwood, was... He could play, like, the boyfriend or the husband in some rom-com. He could play an action star, and he could play the, the quarterback in a sports movie. Yeah, for sure. But I don't know who that person is now. Who could play all three of those things? Yeah, that, I mean, we, I don't know if there's anybody out there right I felt, now. I don't know whether he just hit me at the right time, but I always felt like Burt Reynolds was, like, the most famous person on the planet when I was growing up. Because it's not like you, we have a different... Uh, experience with our movie stars over the last, you know, f- That's 15 true. years, right? Yeah. Like, Daniel Day-Lewis is not, he's, you know, you, you could see him doing sort of anything other than sports, you know? You wouldn't he just necessarily... Kinda, but also, he's gone for three years and then comes back. Brett right. was cranking out two movies yeah. a year. And Smoking the Bandit for kids our age was was humongous. I mean, we like Liam Neeson's reinvention of himself, but that's... 
This was different, yeah. yeah. And now, actually, when I watch Boogie Nights, I just think it's Jack Horner. I don't think of the Burt Reynolds. That's, I totally either. agree. Because I've probably seen that Burt Reynolds performance more than any other Burt By Reynolds. By now, performance. for sure. I don't remember right. the last time I watched Smoking the Bandit. Yeah. Smoking the Bandit was a movie where, I mean, how do you even describe that movie? <laughs> he's can't. driving with a truck. and he's like, It's like a movie for idiots. Right. That, that's hey, all we got to go from Florida to New York, and it's and it's where we're, we're on the highway. And we're on CBs. Hey, <laughs> any Smokies? <laughs> it's really no old. bandit. You're clear. That was the whole movie. It's all all the movies from they the eighties. They made 80s. a sequel. All the movies from the eighties. Made like a sequel. This. Like uh, the, you got, all this way. You got a cop behind you. Oh, I'll speed up. It don't make any sense at all. Thanks, Smokey. Clint Eastwood has a franchise of, with an orangutan. I mean, it's, it's, that's true. That was another one that made no sense. sense. <laughs> he traveled around and, and had fights with, it, but had a pet orangutan. Yeah, he had fist fights. The seventies uh, and eighties. I loved Burt Reynolds' performance in this movie, and the common belief seems to be that he distanced himself from the movie. He thought it was going to be a disaster. Oh, and in the, in the had he lobbied for it properly, he would have won the Oscar that yeah. year for a supporting actor. They said that in the that was an, another observation in the oral history. He never won an Oscar. He deserved an Oscar for this. Robin Williams, a Good Will Hunting. So that's tough. Yes, yeah, he was. It, Bert, it's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. It's not Bert. your fault. You didn't win the Oscar. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not, it's not your, your fault. fault. It's not your fault. Uh, also nominated. That time, uh, Greg Kinnear, as good as it gets. Robert Forrester and Jackie Brown. Yeah. And uh, Anthony Hopkins for something. Amistad. Amistad. Can't, oh. say, can't say I remember the Amistad. All deserving. Yeah. So, Nominees. too bad. Yeah. Bad timing for Burt. Bad timing. You weren't beating Robin Williams in good one. No, he was definitely not. <laughs> Number two. Amber, I live in this world. I don't like violence any more than you do. Violence is a bad thing. It is. But when you see violence in films, it's, you know, if movies, films caused violence, yep. we'd be able to wipe out violence tomorrow. Boom, no more films. That's fine with me. I'll find something else to do. I'll fuck on my own time. You know, <laughs> fuck on his own interests. time. He could fuck on his own time. He's, he's um, a magician. And, you know, hopefully I like, you know, that that'll be something that I focus on in the future because he can't fuck forever. I realize. Right. Good point. Very it. self-aware. Violence. Is something that plagues us as a society. It does. Violence is something that plagues Violence us. Violence does plague us. As a society. Reed made some excellent points. He did. You I have, loved Reed Rothschild. You have him at number two. You have him ahead of Dirk. I he, loved Reed Rothschild. He's very Name likeable. one moment of Reed Rothschild in this movie that you didn't enjoy. He batted a thousand. He was in nine scenes and he hit nine out of the park. He was nine for nine with nine home runs. The, what I like so much about Reed, what makes him so endearing to me, is how welcoming he is of Dirk. Yeah, he, it, not threatened, not not even a little bit. It's, yeah, it's just it's, trying to work with him. Honestly, it's what I hope for out of my son. Could my son have that trait, where he meets somebody who's a who's a newcomer to a situation? Right. He's already the established guy. Can he be that gracious? Yeah. It was, and it's such an earnest and open spirit, a wonderful spirit, Reed Rothschild. I loved him, and um, I found out that, you know, he didn't really achieve everything I wanted him to achieve after Boogie Nights. He's been in a ton of stuff. Been in a ton of stuff. Not against it, but... Uh, what did you want for him? Well, yeah, he was in some bad movies. And he, and he had some bad roles, like he was the catcher in For Love of the Game. Keep getting them checks. Well, he did. That's Come what on. he did. He started That's catching the checks. the game. And apparently he was not a great athlete, and they had to cheat a lot of the For Love of the Game scenes. So that's that's it. interesting, because I also feel like he's not very good at sex. His scenes in here are a little awkward. It doesn't seem like he's very good at it. Well, fortunately, I hope we never find out. <laughs> yeah, I think Step Brothers is my favorite John C. Riley. He's, he's terrific. I saw John C. Riley on Broadway with Philip Seymour Hoffman. There was a play, uh, I'm too old to remember names. It was amazing. Uh, they were brothers. You know what else heard him? Kind of the weak link in Magnolia, that character. That's the character, though. I, I know, but I, it was a lot of screen time for a weak link. Yeah, I guess that's right. I didn't love, I didn't love John C. Riley. Sure. I know they were going against the Reed Rothschild grain, but uh, we're, I, I think in terms of second bananas, uh-huh. one of my favorites. In fact, in 2001 or 2002, I did a mailbag, and somebody asked me who was a better second banana, Tubbs from Miami Vice or Reed Rothschild, 
and I broke it down for like 900 words. Who won? Tubbs. Yeah, t- I think I think my answer would be Tubbs also. Tubbs won. Yeah. Tubbs took his shirt off in a strip joint and danced. <laughs> He did do that. <laughs> For no reason. <laughs> and he could also drive, he drove the car. I mean, he, he had a Jamaican accent. He brought a lot of stuff to the table. Yeah. So anyway, but it was, he, Reed was in the conversation. It was a, it was a legitimate, you, ha, you needed to break it down. He was the Scotty Pippen of, to Dirk's MJ. Sure. He's really what he was. Yeah. It's hard to be the Scotty Pippen. You got to accept your role. You don't, you can't not want to be the MJ. I also like that he left the porn business when Dirk did. Could have come back the next day. Didn't. Nope. That was, you know. Didn't. It was went, his brother. And went down the weird cocaine road. Oh. With, and, with, and, uh, and, the, and the music career. So here's another reason Dirk's ranked ahead of two. Uh, of uh, Reed's ahead Reed's of Dirk. Reed's ahead of Dirk. Okay. Drug dealer scene. Firecracker yeah. scene. Yeah. That guy shoots Todd. Now he's turning his gun on Reed or Dirk. Yeah. Who do you want to survive? Reed. Me too. That's why he's ahead of Dirk. See, you came around. Uh, you want Dirk to you want Dirk to die, and you want Reed to live, and that's why he's ranked number two. I, I didn't want Dirk to die, but you would if you had to choose, you would have chosen Reed to survive. Reed, Reed, you did, loved Reed. Reed didn't deserve to die. Reed was nine for nine with nine homers. Okay, and eighteen RBI. Okay, I'll let him stay. He two. was like Pablo Sandoval in the last three World Series, multiplied by ninety. Yeah. All right, now our number one. Oh, wait, we now got one more read scene. Yeah, let's have another read scene. Can we see Reed's reaction? They have, on one of the deleted scenes, they just have the unedited four-minute shot of Reed in the booth doing that, and it's unbelievable. There's a DVD, I don't even know if they sell it anymore, but I know it came out late 90s, early 2000 range, and it's got the deleted scene with the uh, the extended video, it's got the Becky Barnett's husband, oh. it's got Reed, it's got all this stuff. It's, it's do you have it? I do. I have every Boogie Nights DVD or Blu-ray that's come out, including one in Canada. <laughs> what's, the, what's different about the Canadian I'm an one? only child, this is what only children do. <laughs> we, we do things like buy three different Boogie Nights DVDs. All right. All right, that's what we do. Okay, reads two. I'm happy with it. Number one. I mean, you knew this was going to be. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about the moral implications of it after. But this is the greatest scene in the movie, and possibly of my entire life. (laughs) You see, Eddie, the colonel here, he puts up all the money for our films. It's an important part of the process. It sure is. It is. I'm looking forward to seeing you in action, Jackson. You've got a great big cock. I guess so. May I see it? Really? It's like he's asking to see Dirk's really? car. Really? Uh-oh. Well, thank you, Eddie. No problem. Thanks, Eddie. Look at this. He just keeps the camera on him. He's in the headlights. It's like Eli Manning he's after done. his third interception. He's like, look at him. He's like, ah! What just happened? <laughs> look at that. Look at that look. The expression. That's the same look Jay Cutler has all the time. The way that he conveys his amazement at what he's seeing by by slightly shifting his his forehead. He should have been nominated over freaking Anthony Hopkins and Amistad. <laughs> Give me that. You like that performance? The Colonel, that Robert Ridgely. You think he would have given uh, uh, Robin Williams a run? He was unbelievable as the Colonel. He really only had like four scenes. Yeah, it's... it's but, he went four for four with four grand slams. Four grand slams, you say. But unfortunately, more implications to the colonel. It's tough because he's my favorite character in the movie, and yet he's probably the most morally reprehensible. Yes. But I, here's how I associate. Here's how I disassociate myself from the colonel's behavior, which we don't see in the movie. From from this. Yeah. For me, it's the actor. Sure. It's the actor just murdering a performance. And making me love somebody who turns out to be a pedophile. <laughs> and I watch this movie every time, and I don't hold out the future pedophile revelation against him. You know, and the, what's funny is they give you every indication that he, that, that he is morally reprehensible. And then he gets his ass kicked in, in jail. And gets we have, what he deserves. We have, yeah, right, the just dessert moment. But right, I, I like it. I like the way that you, you've, you've uh, 
hived it off. The dissociation. The disassociation. Yeah, yeah. It makes it makes sense. The performance. Here's the other reason I love him. So, when PTA did the original movie when he was 17, the Dirk Diggler story, which is amazingly on YouTube. Yes. Um, he is Jack Horner. I I haven't seen. Yeah, he's Jack Horner. Wow. So, and he was a, a friend of his uh, his dad's, and his dad was like the premier voice guy from the ABC. He was the one who's like, I, didn't love I, re- I remember that. And me and Carola did a whole thing about that once. Oh, that's funny. Um, but so they were buddies, and he played he played uh, Jack Horner in that, and then in this he played the Colonel. So he essentially had a ten year run up. He had ten years to prepare for the for the role of a lifetime. I'm trying to think what else we left out. We love Boogie Nights. It's not even the twenty year anniversary yet. Uh, but it's PTA week, so. Oh, here's my last question for you. I was thinking about the all-time greatest rewatchable cable movies since we got a lot of channels. So we, so we, the, we started to get more channels probably mid-90s. Yeah, okay. That's the first time I felt like I was like, wow, I have a lot of channels. And then AMC comes and HBO start multiplying. And during that time, there's only been a couple movies that just seem to always be on. All right. And they must be on for a reason. They must be able to measure this and be like, hmm, every time we put The Godfather on AMC, it gets this rating. Yeah. So I'm going to put that on. So I, the short list for me are all movies I really like. Okay. And I don't know if I'm biased here or if that's really the list, but it seems like Godfather, sure. Boogie Nights, uh-huh. and Shawshank. Are the three dramas that are on more than every other movie? Well, I, but I might be biased, and I might just notice that and think those are the three movies. I feel like I haven't seen Boogie Nights appear in circulation. It disappeared like yeah. four or five years ago. Yeah, but now it came back. IFC was showing it. Shawshank and and uh, Godfather are still never ends. You can you can click in and Rocky. And get it. Weirdly, the Rocky marathons are still going. I, I mean, the first Rocky now. It feels like it came out in the 1800s. It's so fucking slow. It's like 40 years ago. Oh my god! Yeah. And Rocky too. She's in a coma, and you're literally in a coma watching it. It's like a 15 minute coma scene. It's like she's like that. Those, he's reading to her. It's like ah, ah, cut those, this. Those are movies that could have used some editing. Oh my god! Yeah. I mean, Stallone should go back and edit them now. <laughs> Re-release them. But Shawshank's kind of Thomas. I think yeah. Pulp Fiction is is up there. Yeah, I agree with that. Pulp Fiction has that whole stretch though with with Bruce Willis when he goes home with his girlfriend. That yes. the movie dies for like fifteen minutes. It's just a small segment though. It, it picks back up. It's longer than you think. It's a lo- it's a long movie, but that's what makes it rewatchable. You you come in wherever you come in. That's true. You go well, through that, your piece. It's excellent that way. And that's the, the thing about this movie and Godfather and Shot. Like these movies where you can jump in at any point. Yeah. And you can either just watch 20 minutes or come in. It doesn't matter when you came in. You're just in from that point on. I, 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 I always hope when I'm coming into Boogie Nights that I'm not coming in on the part where the, in the truck scene. That's, that's the scene in I the like. Which one? Where he's in the pickup truck. And the, and oh. That's the scene I, I hope. <laughs> that for. guy didn't. Apologies to that guy. He didn't make the cut either. <laughs> he didn't. I don't want him to make the cut. The guy who paid Dirk yeah, yeah. to show it to him. And then beat him. Yeah. I don't like that I didn't that like guy. that guy. Me either. Um, yeah, you're right. They, there's a point in Boogie Nights where if you're like, eh. Not sure I want to come in 1982. Yeah, that's uh, there's. I don't know if I want to read the donut shop, roller girl, right? Uh, Dirk Church montage. Yes, but the the part from like, I'm gonna say the 15 minute mark. As soon as he shows up at Jack's house for the pool party. Yes. All the way through to the 80s. The pool party is. That's one of my favorite one hour runs of any movie. Sure, it's it's uh, for for I mean for us it it will always. Resonate. We'll always have it. We've experienced it a hundred times, two hundred times. And also, it has this whole added relevance now, because that guy became one of the most important filmmakers. Well, and every one of these and all these people kind of took off. Yeah, I mean, Wahlberg. This ensemble. Wahlberg's had one of the five best careers of anyone in the last eighteen years, I would say, just for variety of movies, maybe, success of the movies. Maybe he'll be a guy that reinvents. You know, we were t- trying to come up with a name of somebody that's had a lot of sort of, you know. You think he could be Jack Horner? But he's not going to end up. He was never as famous as Burt Reynolds. Yeah, and he's not going to end up having sort of a fall off the. the. Clooney. That's interesting. Clooney is Jack Horner. That's interesting. He would be a great Jack Horner. But, and w- w- I, the thing that made 
uh, Burt Reynolds so amazing there. He had we hadn't seen anything from him for what it felt like ten years. I don't. Oh yeah, I think he'd he been was in like things, an, but wasn't he on like Evening Shade? <laughs> yeah, right. With with that with what's her face Delta Burke, right? He they were auctioning off Burt Reynolds' stuff. He's like everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I guess he ran out of money somehow, which okay. is amazing. But um, the smoking the bayonet car was on there. Oh wow! Um, a lot of his awards. Stuff like that, but uh, one of the things was his Mean Machine helmet from Longest Yard. Oh man! And there was like a one day stretch where I was like, nobody knows about this auction. I'm gonna make you a run. Get out. in! Then it came out. Now it's like yeah, everything got jacked up. Yeah. But can you imagine being rich enough to buy the Smokey and the Bandit car? Where, what would you do with it? What would you do just with it? In the garage. Just put it in your driveway. Like, like do a- you just have parties and invite people to sit in it? And it, but who does it click with? You know, the people that that it would make sense that you'd be trying to impress are all old people. <laughs> Right. Like, oh, look, it's a smoky and a bandit car. Well, you came to visit. Like, Congratulations. <laughs> if you came over, you're in L.A., if you came over to Mass, I was like, hey, I mean to tell you something. I bought the smoky and the bandit car. What would your reaction be? <laughs> Why? But then you'd Why want to go for that? a ride at least. If, well, yeah, I absolutely would. Do you think they should have put in one athlete from that era like Bernard King? Just had him at one of the pool parties? It would have been amazing because it would have been, it's an easy transition to get an athlete from that era into something with. He kind of has a thing with Roller Girl? Sure, yeah. for sure. Nowadays, Thank Roller you. Girl would be on Twitter and, and, and 58 NBA players would be following her, <laughs> but pretending they weren't DMing her when they came to town. What's up, Charlotte? <laughs> What's up, Washington? All right, Joe House. Yeah. Uh, the Boogie Nights pod, we did it. That was fun. It was a real podcast, Jack. <laughs> it was a real podcast. Ben. Thank you. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Uh, check out PTA Week on Grantland.com. A lot of good stuff there. Before I get the sound off. Whoa. Thank you for downloading the BS Report with Bill Simmons. Too much fun. Check out more podcasts at the iTunes Music Store or at PodCenter at ESPNRadio.com. Peace out.